Welcome to Sojourn Grace Collective, a progressive Christian church in San Diego, where our mission is to foster spiritual, social, and emotional wholeness. In our community, we affirm all that makes you you. We celebrate your gender identities and sexual orientation, your race and your socioeconomic status, your physical abilities and your religious creeds. Here at Sojourn, it all belongs. This podcast is a replay of our Sunday morning teachings. We hope you find encouragement and inspiration as you make your way through this week. Visit us online at SojournGrace.com, where you can learn more about our faith community, discover resources to help you find wholeness in your life, and partner with us in our mission through tax-deductible contributions. Thank you for joining us today, and may you know above all else that you are a loved child of God. Full stop. Welcome to Sojourn. Hey again. I'm going to lead us in a short time of meditation. So um, as we do so, I invite you to... um, This morning, I'd invite you to, for this meditation, to get your feet planted on the ground somehow beneath you. So maybe you need to scoot to a different spot on the couch closer to the edge. Um, Maybe you need to stand up for a moment. Whatever you need to do to get um, yourself feeling the ground beneath you from your feet, I invite you to do so and to just let whatever's touching your feet, if it's cold hardwood or um, soft, shaggy rug, Whatever it is, just let your feet maybe like kind of crinkle your toes against the ground beneath you and just let your feet really feel that grounding sense as we take a time of meditation. Um, This morning's meditation was inspired by my favorite children's author, favorite human in general, Todd Parr. When my kids were little, I would read Todd Parr books to them and these the way he writes for kids is he takes these topics and then he just chooses one short simple refrain and he just repeats it over and over from page to page the same refrain filling in a little bit different the gap at the end of the sentence each time but using the same stanza over and over and so one time about five or six years ago as I was reading these books to my kids I was reading the Todd Parr book it's okay to be different where on every page he says it's okay and then fills in the blank with some other way that it's okay to be in the world. And as I was reading this to my kids, I realized Todd Parr's books are meditation for kids. They're repetitive. They practice radical non-judgment. They um, help kids make connection, new connections in their brains so that they might ground and center and move into a place of extreme self-acceptance. And so from that place, I started writing meditations for adults using that short little refrain over and over of it's okay, and taking more adults' topics and just adding them to this simple, simple line of it's okay. So this morning as I do that, I invite you to hear it as a mother would speak to her child and name that every state of being is okay. It's okay. It's okay. And as I do so with different lines that are more generic and um, kind of vague and a bigger container, I invite you to fill in the gaps with something more specific from your 
your life. This particular It's Okay meditation addresses the journey of becoming and finding who we are as humans. It's an identity meditation. And so as I read these lines over you this morning, I invite you to feel that ground beneath you, hand to heart, say out loud in your home, your own specific It's Okay. Whatever I've just said, take that topic, think of the specific in your life and say it over yourself. It's okay, as a mother would to her child. It's okay. It's okay if after all of these years, you still don't have the first clue to who you are. It's okay. It's okay if you've spent four decades wandering, searching, and often squandering. It's okay. It's okay if you've built several separate lifetimes and deconstructed them all. It's okay if you've walked away from a million worlds, communities, and habits, and friends, and homes, and ways, and styles, and personas. It's okay. It's okay if you don't recognize you. It's okay if you no longer fit inside the life that you yourself carefully crafted. It's okay if you've thrown everything out and started all over again from scratch. It's okay. It's okay if you don't relate to a single thing you were or did or had or lived yesterday. It's okay. It's okay to be confused by you. It's okay. It's okay if you're unknown to yourself. It's okay if your identity shifts with the winds and grounds with the seasons and shakes with the storm. It's okay, my love, my darling. It's okay. Because the most wondrous paradox of your existence is this. You always are. And you never are. It's okay. Becoming. Changing. Growing. Dying. Birthing. It's okay. Because you are not what happens to you. You are not even what you do. And certainly, you are not what you have. And most assuredly, you are not what anyone at all thinks of you. Not even what you think of you. You are, in fact, pure love. And this remains true in every single flailing, searching, pretending, trying, experimenting moment of your ridiculous beautiful journey of becoming, you remain and will for all eternity remain loved. Beloved, it's okay. Love is holding you even now. Even now. Even now. Even now. It's okay. Uh, yeah, that, that song following that meditation was brilliant. If you missed my comments 
a minute ago in the stream, I said that that meditation, along with other ones that Kate has written in the past and that we've done here at Sojourn, will all be available soon on the new uh, upcoming Sojo Meditations podcast uh, channel that we're going to be uh, putting together and releasing as one of the ways that we are hoping to help uh, resource our beloved community during this season. Uh, as you saw there on that little opening video, and as Kate mentioned earlier, this is the a segment uh, here in our gathering that we call Spiritual Nuggets. And the idea here is that it's not going to be a 5,000-word long sermon. Uh, it is rather just uh, maybe five to seven minutes of something to hopefully nourish the, the mind and the soul. And so this morning's Spiritual Nugget, uh, I've titled, How We See is What We See. And it begins like this. What if the way that you approach life has a real effect on how you experience life? What if the way you approach life has a real effect on how you experience life? Henry David Thoreau once wrote, the question is not what you look at, but what you see. To look at something is to keep distance. We look at animals in the zoo. We look at a car accident on the side of the road. We look at photos of our friends and family living their best lives on Instagram. To see something, however, requires closeness, proximity, connection. It demands slowing down and being present. We see our child as they squeal in delight at placing the last puzzle piece down. We see our beloved while we're making love. We see the stories we tell ourselves as we meditate or vulnerably share with a friend. Moving from looking at someone or something to seeing is a move from far to near, from closed up to open, from apart to connected. We can go through our entire day looking at everything and seeing nothing. Though awake, we sleep. What if the way that you approach life has a real effect on how you experience life? I've made some observations about my life during these past couple pandemic months as it relates to venturing out into the world to forage for food and search for paper towels. I've noticed that some days as I head out to the grocery store, after having read some, I don't know, rather depressing stories about the state of affairs in our world, it causes my opinion of humanity and of American society to plummet. I've noticed that I lament when I lamented how selfish and self-centered and ignorant and arrogant people are. I noticed that then when I get to the store and I see some people not wearing their masks properly or not caring about social distancing, I see people being rude and callous to one another. I see real life examples of what I'd just been reflecting on. And then other days, before I head out to the store to forage for food or search for paper towels, maybe I had a particularly uplifting interaction with someone through an email or online, because it does happen. Or maybe I read a news story about how people are coming together right now, and change is happening in our world, and movements are growing. And I feel encouraged by how selfless and thoughtful and kind and caring people are. And then I get to the store, same exact store, 
in the same exact neighborhood, and I see people wearing masks. I see people being considerate of shopping carts. I see people smiling with their eyes. I see patience, and I see, oops, sorry's, and I see this sense that we're all in this thing together and we've got each other's back. In other words, I see real life examples of what I'd just been reflecting on. The Sufi mystic Rumi wrote, what you seek is seeking you. Perhaps the people at the store weren't all that different on those two separate days. Perhaps the world I see is but a reflection of the world I'm looking for. What if the way you approach life has a real effect on how you experience life? Now, um, the NFL season has started this week, and whether or not you like football, I used to love football, and I used to love the NFL, and a couple years ago, I had to, for moral conscience reasons, uh, divorce myself from it, and I'm fine. Uh, It was a decision I'm glad I made. But the point is, whether or not you like football, what I'm about to say, I still think is gospel truth. I still think that the TV show, Friday Night Lights, is one of the top 15 best shows ever made. Whether or not you like football. Yeah, wow, top 15. Uh, I haven't seen, you know, I don't know if it holds up. Kate and I were talking about this the other day that we're kind of afraid to rewatch it because maybe it doesn't hold up. But as it stands now in my rankings, it's somewhere in the top 15. Throughout its five seasons of being on air, Coach Taylor has a saying, a sort of catchphrase, if you will, that he uses throughout the entire show to inspire his team. And many of you, if you've seen this, you know what I'm about to say. It is clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. And though Coach spoke it to football players, and the initial assumption might be that the not losing here uh, refers to the winning of football games, I believe there's a deeper truth in these words. It's not just about winning a game. There's a deeper reality that Coach was inviting his players to receive. I think to speak of eyes being clear is to name that we see things as they truly are not as we idealize them to be, not as some outside source tells us they are, not as our past experiences might try and convince us that they should be. When our eyes are clear, we can see past the spin, through the lies, and into the truth of the matter. And then in order for a heart to be full, first it must be opened. Because a closed heart is an empty heart. Furthermore, there is but only one thing, as I understand it and as I see it, there's only one thing that can fill a heart, and that's love. So to speak of a full heart is to call forth a heart that is open to the flow of love, however and from wherever it might come. So then to say clear eyes, full hearts can't lose is perhaps a way of saying that being awake to what is and having open hearts filled with love is to possess a particular posture toward life, which will assure you that come what may, you cannot lose. Come heartache or heartbreak, come suffering or sorrow, come loss or lack. To show up to life with eyes that see and a heart that loves is to ensure that we never leave empty-handed. Though the score might say otherwise, Perhaps we might win hard-fought wisdom or grow in our capacity for enduring. 
or we become more patient, more kind, more compassionate. But lose? No. No, not lose. Not lose. We can't lose with clear eyes and full hearts. What if the way you approach life has a real effect on how you experience life? When he was speaking to tired and poor people, people who were hungry not just for actual food and drink, but for spiritual liberation, Jesus once said the following words, happy are people who are hopeless because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Happy are people who grieve because they will be made glad. Happy are people who are humble because they will inherit the earth. Happy are people who are hungry and who thirst for justice because they will be fed until they are full. Happy are people who show mercy because they will receive mercy. Happy are people who have pure hearts because they will see source, love, God. Happy are people who make peace because they will be called God's children. There seems to be a connection between how we show up to life with how life then shows up for us. Maybe it's by our grieving that we can receive gladness. Maybe it is through our humble posture of openness to what is that we can be filled with life's gifts. Maybe it is when we've reached the end of our hope, when we find that our belonging in the family of God was never dependent on having it all together in the first place. Maybe these sayings from Jesus weren't about some sort of transactional guarantee that you are entitled to from life. If only you do and believe the right sorts of things. Rather, maybe the truth is that how we show up to life and what we look for, what we see, very much impacts what we find on the other side. So may we consider, dear friends, that life or one might even say that God is calling to us right now, inviting us to show up with eyes to see and hearts that are open wide. For it is those who show mercy that also receive it. And it is those who make peace that also experience the peace of being a loved child of God. Because after all, Maybe it is true that how we approach life has a real effect on how we experience it. And I'm going to close now with a poem that Kate sent me after reading this spiritual nugget that I wrote. And it is from Maggie Smith and the title is Good Bones. This is how I'll close. Life is short, though I keep this from my children. Life is short, and I've shortened mine in a thousand delicious, ill-advised ways. A thousand deliciously ill-advised ways I'll keep from my children. The world is at least 50% terrible, and that's a conservative estimate, though I keep this from my children. For every bird, there is a stone thrown at a bird, for every loved child, a child broken, bagged, sunk in a lake. 
Life is short and the world is at least half terrible. For every kind stranger, there is one who would break you. Though I keep this from my children. I'm trying to sell them the world. Any decent realtor walking you through a real shithole chirps on about good bones. This place could be beautiful, right? You could make this place beautiful. Amen. A large portion of Sojourn's financial support comes from listeners like you, people who hear messages like this one and want to express their gratitude for our ministry, or who are simply thrilled to know that a church like Sojourn exists. Or maybe you can't attend services on Sunday mornings, yet you still consider Sojourn Grace Collective your spiritual community. If that's you, and you'd like to partner with us in this work, please visit sojourngrace.com partner, where you can make a one-time donation or sign up to be a monthly supporter. Also, don't forget that we stream our services live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific on both our Facebook and YouTube pages. And if you missed it live, you can always rewatch the video playback later or subscribe to this or Sojourn podcast. It was an honor to have you with us today. As you go about your week, may you take with you the words we say at the end of all of our gatherings. Be brave because you're a child of God and be kind because so is everyone else. Thank you.